Welcome to Being Honest with My Ex. My ex is Peter C. Haywood. My ex is SJ, better known as Honor Eastley. We were engaged for two years and, and then, then we, we broke, broke up. up and then we stopped talking to each other for a year and now we do a podcast together. Would you have a baby with me? If I can get you to cry next podcast, we'll have a hat trick. <laughs> you don't know this, but I have a very vivid image of what your penis looks like. What? <laughs> if I met you now, I do not think that I would go out with you. Oh my God. I think if I met you now, I'd, I'd fall more in love with you than I did the first time. Just to let you know, the audio in this episode is below our normal standards. I'm not sure what happened with Peter's audio. It sounds compressed in a weird way. And at some points, my audio starts echoing for some weird reason and then goes away. But please bear with us um, as we manage our technical difficulties. This week, we talk about how Peter got shut out of America. And the second half of this, or maybe second two thirds, is about polyamory, which I'm surprised is something that we've never spoken about on the podcast before. Thanks for listening. Hello, SJ. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. That was a long pause. I was just checking to make sure. Checking in with yourself? Yeah, it's a good habit. I agree. How are you? I don't know. I'm in a weird headspace. Yesterday was Sunday the 26th of June 2016. And that was the day that I was meant to be in Chicago for my friend's wedding. And I am not. Oh. And so, a little bit sad pants about that. But, uh, I don't know, it, it, thing, things go the way they go. Who's wedding? Uh, my friend Aaron. He is a lovely man from Chicago who I met through Reddit. Aaron Sorkin? It is Aaron Sorkin, that's right, yeah. <laughs> the creator of The West Wing. <laughs> he wrote The Social Network as well. Uh, he, he plays some really mean board games. Yeah, right. Okay, cool. And so, you know, he got married to Mrs. Sorkin yesterday. Yeah, I still don't exactly know what happened with you not being allowed in the country. So a few weeks back, I packed up my car and I got ready to drive down to the America. Uh, Canadians get really annoyed when you refer to Canada as part of America because it technically is part of the continents of America, but they do not like that. Word of wisdom. And so I was driving down uh, southwards towards... Columbus, Ohio, I was going to a con called Origins, which is apparently just the best board game con. It's only for like game designers. And so you just get to meet all the cool people and have a good time. And a con is a conference. A convention. Oh, okay. So close. So close. And then as I was driving into the country, the guard was like, oh, hey, you know, uh, what are you coming in for? And I was like, oh, for a wedding and for a con. Uh, I probably said convention because not everyone knows what a con is apparently. No, but also he might think that you are just a very bad con man. <laughs> yeah, announcing it as I entered the country. And so he, uh, he took my passport and he's like, okay, cool, just pop over to that building and I'll give you your passport back. And I was like, oh, that's an inefficient way of handing back a passport, but okay. I drove over to the building and they were like, oh yeah, cool, take a seat. And so I took a seat and started playing on my phone, being like, oh, this is weird. I sent a message to my brother and sister and just being like, this is a strange way to spend my trip into Canada. And then four hours later, I was not allowed to go into the US. Okay, it sounds like I'm interested in what happened in those four <laughs> hours. So, I was in my car driving towards the US. Uh-huh. And the guy in the booth, he took my passport. 
Oh my god, you're gonna and he said you're gonna to go all the way through on the into study. the building, and then four hours later, I had to go back into Canada because I wasn't allowed into the US. Yeah, or awful. <laughs> uh, so there was a lot of sitting and waiting, and because of various reasons, you're not allowed to go on your phone, which. In this day and age, it's just cruelty. Like, can you imagine spending three hours with, like, I didn't have any books on me because why would I? And so they had the TV playing Nancy Grace. Do you know who that is? I have no idea, but I think it's bad. She's a conservative talk show host. And this was, like, probably a week, maybe a week and a half after the Orlando bombing. Not bombing, shooting. After the Orlando shooting. And at the time, the big hot news story was, should the terrorist's wife be arrested for, like, being a part of it? Because she didn't stop it. Oh, wow. And so Nancy Grace spent, you know, three hours in my ear being like, she should be arrested. Which is just awful on so many levels. I hadn't even thought. I didn't even know that that was a thing people were talking about. Yeah, I I probably have more US friends than you uh, because I'm just a cool person. But there's been a lot of articles and posts being like, obviously, if you're married to a psychopath and you don't go to the police, you shouldn't go to jail when he kills people. But a lot of people were like, she knew about it and she could have stopped it and all those lives could have been saved and she didn't. The ferret did a really good piece on it being like, you know what happens when you go to the police before a thing happens and, and you're not white and you know, they go in, maybe they find nothing and then you're in a house with your murderous husband who you've just reported to the police. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> like yeah. that whole idea is fucked. Anyway, so there's a lot of awful TV and sitting and waiting and then a bunch of interviews with a guy who at first was really aggressive and then I think he worked out that I didn't know what the fuck I was talking about so he kind of loosened up a lot but a lot of like where do you live and I was like oh that's a weird question what do you mean by live and he's like what do you mean what do I mean by live and I was like well you know what what do you like where is my stuff or where am I from or where have I spent most of the last 12 months and he's like well it's a simple question tell me tell me where you live and I was like well here's various answers to that because I think it's complex don't tell customs officers that questions are complex they do not like that <laughs> Oh my god oh my god that reminds me of like um in my work we talk a lot about the difference between problem solving and validation but yeah. like that we're trying to be aware of that difference but that problem solving isn't bad because if if you went to your mechanic and you were like yeah i think the brakes are fucked and they were like yeah all right how does that that sounds really hard <laughs> <laughs> you'd be like um it is. Yeah, it's Thank annoying. <laughs> anyway. And so, like, I mean, if someone asked you where I live, what would you say? I'd say you live in Toronto. Right. And so I think the first time he asked, I said that. He was like, but you're there on a visitor pass. And I was like, yes, because I am there on a visitor pass. And his tone suggested that was not an adequate answer to the question. Wait on, you're in, you're in Canada on a visitor pass? What does that mean? So basically most countries will... I don't, know, I don't know how many countries, but all the countries I've been to will let you come and visit for up to three months as long as you're not there to get a job. Ah, uh, yes, okay. Canada lets you here for six months. So you can come to Canada for six, up to six months as long as you're not like, ha- as long as you don't have a job in Canada because that's not part of the visitor pass. Uh, the US has what, what's called a visa waiver program. So you don't even have to have any kind of visa. You can just rock up for up to three months because uh, I don't know which countries allow it, but Australia does. And so I was in my previous visits to America, I'd been in, on a visa pass. Uh, sorry, I've been in on a visa waiver. And over the course of the questioning, this is a US guard, obviously, because I was entering the US. Um, he found out that I was an author and he asked if I'd done any work while I was in the US. And again, that's a really weird question. Like, and you're like, well, actually, that's a 
complex question. Yeah, well, it really is. I mean, to use an example, we record this podcast every week. We currently don't make any money from it. But there is a potential for this to make money. Does this count as work? If I sit down in America and record a podcast, am I working? Yeah. I write at least, you know, once every two weeks. Bare minimum, once every two weeks, I write. But even if I wasn't, like, sitting down and actually writing, I would still be, like, brewing up plot ideas and thinking about it. Does that count as work? I think it's a really weird and grey area. He was getting very frustrated. I was seriously trying to be helpful, but I didn't want to lie. I wanted to answer all the questions honestly. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I would just, I would just be like, yeah, I would say no. I would have said no, I don't. I mean, I would have said, I would have said, yeah, I do, like, I have some hobbies, but I don't get paid for them. Right. Well, okay, so that, that's the thing. So my main source of income is writing erotica. I ran a Kickstarter a few months back, and it made $87,000. And my plan is over the next year to transition that into my main source of income. But I launched that Kickstarter while I was in America. It's, I mean, is it, technically I feel like it's a hobby at the moment because I'm not actually making money from it. Like the, the $87,000 is all going into the company. It's going into making new games. It's going to this and that. But it's not what I would consider work. Uh, while I was in the US last, I stayed with my friends who work at Greater Than Games. And we went to a lot of cons and I helped out at their booth. And that, like, that is a thing that I do for fun to hang out with my friends. Like they are my friends and I like to spend time with them and they are always working. So I go along and I help out. That, it's such, uh, I get very frustrated by the illy defined terms, but that technically counts as work. The, the clincher was that while I was in the US last year, I was over in July or August, I went to Gen Con, which is the biggest board game convention in America. And I helped them, I, I, I rocked up just to hang out with my friends and, you know, see all the things. I was, I was in the country for an improv course. So I did a month long improv course and I was in country for that. But they were like, hey, we're going to be at Gen Con. So I went along and helped out. And I ended up doing a bunch of really useful helping out. So that at the end of it, they're like, hey, look, we'll, we'll give you 300 bucks to help me out. And I was like, oh, cool, thanks. And that is what sealed my fate. The fact that post-volunteering, they decided to give you some money? Yes, because that means that I did paid work while under the visa waiver program, which is very firmly not allowed. So if they had have offered you money and you had said, oh, actually, I can't, I can't take your money because I'm... That, I mean, everything up until that was really, really gray area, really frustratingly gray area. But that was the moment where he was like, okay, you're not allowed in. Like your visa waiver has been revoked. You now have to apply for a visa every time you want to go into America. You cannot come in because you did paid work under the visa waiver program, not allowed. Jesus. And so I'm sitting there being frustrated at the intricacy of like, I did it as a volunteer thing and then later got paid. And he was like, nope, that is technically work the thing is like when i'm hanging out with those guys it's like when i'm chatting to you i'm always coming up with ideas and stuff when i'm hanging out with them we're throwing around game ideas and two of those games are getting made but i didn't enter the country with the intent of doing work i entered the country to hang out with my friends and the way that i hang out with people is by throwing around ideas that can become profitable what i find really interesting is that i feel like this is how i'm going to make this whole thing that's definitely about you about me <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready for it? Are Hit you me. ready yep. for how I'm going to do this? Yep. So I used to feel like there was always something wrong with me. Now I actually feel like there's just a misattunement in a bunch of ways between me and the current world that exists. Does that <laughs> yeah. make sense? Yeah, I, I know that feeling. Like as in, and and for me that's helpful um, because it means that I'm not like, there's a, like I'm an awful person, there's something inherently wrong with me. But being like, 
oh wow that the way that this the world works um oh there's bits of it that are not helpful for me and that are probably also not helpful for other people yeah there's a term there's a term it's called misattunement they use it a lot in terms of um talking about parenting where like a like a parent and a child could be misattuned and it's not an abusive relationship but they just can't meet each other's needs in a healthy way but it's not because anyone's particularly doing anything wrong. Yeah, no no one's wrong. It's just you're not necessarily on the same page. I feel that way. That's how I feel about the world generally. But I feel like you generally are pretty, you're pretty ad- adaptive and attuned, except for stuff like this. What? What do you mean? As in like, this is a situation where all of your honesty and your, the complexity of how you understand things and would explain things and how you work is totally unhelpful. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I before I left St. Louis, I talked to an immigration lawyer about my plan to live in Canada and come visit quite often. Yeah. I didn't pay this lawyer. It was like a consultation. And at the end of it, she was like, look, I can't be helpful for getting you into the country. You're going to move to Canada. That's fine. But she gave me some tips on how to safely visit the country. And had she said... I don't know any of this. I would have absolutely applied it and just like shut up. But she was like, as long as you, as long as you don't lie, it'll be okay. And as long as you have like your invitation to the convention, or like in this case, I printed out my invitation to the convention. I printed out my wedding invitation. I didn't print it out. I had a physical wedding invitation, and I had them in hand, ready to show to be like, look, this is why I'm coming to the country. Uh, the reason I got pulled pulled aside in the first place is is it your blue hair? <laughs> no, no, they don't care about that at all. At one point, the guy. He was just so suspicious about everything, which is his job. I bear no ill will towards this guy. When he finally was like, you can't come in, he felt, I don't know if he felt sorry, but he was really like, ah, I wish it hadn't worked out this way, but it's a fact. And I'm like, dude, you're literally like, your job is to stop people like me from getting into the country when we've done something wrong, which I didn't realize I'd done. Uh, but at one point he was like, so the blue hair, how long have you had that? I was like, oh, I've had it, you know, I first did it about five years ago. He's like, it's not on your ID. And I was like, yes, it is. And then 20 minutes later, when he's looking at my ID, he's like, oh, it is too. I think that was the moment where he kind of thawed a little bit. (laughs) Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the reason I got pulled aside in the first place, I think, is partially because I was an Australian in Canada on a a visitor pass visiting America while driving a car registered in America. Oh, so maybe if your car wasn't registered in America. I I think it was partially that. I think also when I first came into the country of Canada, when I first entered Canada, I was really frazzled. We did... uh, a podcast right after you'll remember how out of it I was and so when they asked how long I was staying I was like look I'm gonna stay for a little bit and see how I like it and I think he wrote down like 10 days or something like that I might have said 10 days I don't know and so I think when I came back a month and a half later it, it maybe flagged the system as like this guy said he was going to be in the country for 10 days but I had specifically said like 10 days to see if I like it and then if I do I will stay but I think those were the two factors that got me pulled aside oh man are you angry at the immigration lawyer? I'm, fr- I'm, I'm generally frustrated with the situation. I'm a little bit annoyed that the person I specifically consulted about how to best deal with this gave me really unhelpful advice. I feel like they gave you a bunch of helpful advice, but then there's... Oh, they gave me so much helpful advice as well, but uh, none of which... I mean, they gave me the advice of, look, don't try to move to the US right now. You won't be able to, which was very helpful advice because it meant that I, you know, readjusted my life accordingly. But, yeah, I, I I was really excited to go to my friend's wedding, you know? I was going to hang out with Christopher for the first time since our breakup. Uh, and I was so excited about that. And it didn't end up happening. 
And so I've spent the last week or two just working really intensely and hanging out with the people I'm dating. And then, yeah, the day of the wedding, the day that I was meant to be at the wedding and I saw all the photos going up on Facebook, I was just like, man, I would have really liked to have been there. And it's frustrating that I'm not. And because I'm still in, uh, my, my application is processing for a non-visitor pass for Canada. But until that processes, the guy at the border was like, look, probably don't apply for a visa because they're going to be like, why do you need a visa to come into America when you don't even have a visa for Canada at the moment? So once that goes through, I'll be able to like manually apply for visas and go visit the US. But I don't like being told that I can't do things. Yes. Yes. I really, I realize that that's perhaps childish, but I've carefully structured my life in such a way that no one can tell me that I can't do things with rare exceptions. (laughs) So like, the people I'm dating right now are super poly and they're totally fine with me dating other people and there's never any issue about discussing it or, you know, moving dates around because they're also poly and dating other people and it's going so smoothly and it's so lovely. And so poly really fits me because at no point, especially the people I'm dating right now, at no point does anyone go, hey, you can't do that thing. I work from home. I have my own business uh I mean, if if any Canadian lawyers are listening, I do not work from home. I have not worked at all since I got into Canada. (laughs) But like... (laughs) You can't say that you looked really terrified all of a sudden. (laughs) I think it'll be fine. Again, I've got immigration lawyers on this end uh, who I am paying. And so if anything goes wrong, they will be able to sort it out. But because of like my job is writing porn and... I tell everyone about it. It's it's not something I'm remotely ashamed of because I don't like the idea of not being able to talk about what I do. Yeah. I just, yeah, I, I, I don't like being told that I can't do things. And every part of my life is structured so that no one can tell me that until I try to drive into another country, at which point they're like, actually, you can't do that. And we have guns. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. American gun control. Fuck. Yeah. I think that's a big, not not the gun control thing. I think a big part of the reason America appeals to me so much is because their whole country is really based on, you cannot tell us what to do. And that is problematic in some areas, but in some areas, it's really nice. Like, I really like their devotion to freedom of speech. Yeah, I just, oh man, I was just like, oh, I am a bit too hungover for a conversation about freedom of speech. (laughs) Yeah, I, I, I could never get into politics. I could never become a teacher because those roles require you to hide parts of yourself and that's not something I want to do because I don't like being told that I can't do stuff. Oh, I think that's interesting when you think about it in terms of professionalism. Yeah, I think, I mean, the thing is I'm very able to stop myself from doing things. I just don't like it when other people are like, hey, here's our value system, adhere to this. Yeah, right, right, right. Uh, Following up on, on something you said earlier, which was about being attuned. Uh, this is a total tangent, but I think the more we do this podcast, the more I listen to it, and the more I think about our relationship. I think that's fundamentally why you and I didn't work. I think we're both cool people who are just really not attuned. What? I think. I think you and I. Well, okay, how, how are you reading that? Why are you so baffled? Uh, no, I was going to follow it up by saying that I've been I've been thinking about moving to Toronto to be with you. <laughs> No, you haven't. So this comes as a surprise. <laughs> there are people listening to this who really want us to get back together, which is hilarious to me. <laughs> yeah. 
yeah, I think that we are misattuned. I don't know. I feel like that that exists for. I feel like that exists for everyone in everything. Like, no one's completely on board. I mean, yeah, but there's obviously varying degrees. Yeah. Uh, my current partner, Lucy, we signed a lease today, by the way. Oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> no, sorry. I was confused because you said, okay, so Lucy is not your partner's legal name. Correct. And so my brain had like a brain fart and was like, no, wait, wait, wait you said the wrong name. You can't say that name. And I was like, nope, that's the right name. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, congratulations. That's the, that's the pseudonym we use on the podcast because my partner is a teacher and thus has to keep various elements of their life. Not private. Like anyone who, who spent two minutes researching it could work out who my partner is. But broadcasting their real name uh, is probably a bad idea when we talk about, I don't know, stuff that we talk about. Wait on. So like how could they, how could people at home find... <laughs> What? Why would you? <laughs> I just wanted to see <laughs> your face. Uh... <laughs> no, my partner and I, Lucy, we are very attuned, like weirdly attuned. Yeah. And it's, it's it's lovely. Like a lot of the stuff that I'm used to just being a part of relationship struggles is not. Oh, like what kind of stuff? Um, Big fights about what is success and whether blockbuster <laughs> movies can be counted as real artistic achievements. Which is the first fight that we ever had. It's true. Uh, a big one for me is Polly. So we've never really talked about being Polly on this podcast. No. Haven't we? No, we've mentioned it. Yeah. We just be- yeah, we just really mentioned it, haven't we? Yeah. So do you want to define polyamory for the listeners at home? So I would put polyamory under the umbrella of ethical non-monogamy. But ethical non-monogamy is more encompassing. Um, polyamory usually is more specifically like concurrent romantic partners romantic partners yeah that that where you know everyone they're aware of each other yeah and yeah everyone's on board so i have identified as being poly since i first learned the term at 14 i read it on alt.polyamory.faq whatever the website is alt in faq about polyamory i read the page and i was like holy shit i did not know this was an option this is so obviously me. Like, I, I consider myself to be poly, like, down to my bones. I am ultimate poly man. Have you seen the polyamory flag? Oh, it's hideous. Okay. It's so ugly. Uh, there's also a polyamory mascot. Oh, the parrot. It's even uglier. It's like it was made in MS Paint. <laughs> yeah, Polly the parrot. They're awful. Um, When you said that you're poly down to your bones, I was just imagining, like, like that your bones were tattooed <laughs> with like Polly the parrot. Ugh. Have you considered getting a a Polly the parrot tattoo? No. I would suggest no. your face as a really great spot for it. There's a really nice symbol. It's the infinity sign around a love heart. That is my favorite symbol for polyamory. It's so much better than every other fucking like the Polly flag is the is is pi. It's got the symbol for pi on it. Because that is the Greek letter for p, which polyamory starts with. That doesn't, that doesn't make sense. It's so fucking dumb. It's hideous. Uh, one of the, I'm dating a girl called Sarah, and we were talking about Polly the other day, and she is, what's the word, poly flexible, I guess. She's been in long-term monogamous relationships. She's been in long-term polyamorous relationships. She doesn't really mind. Whereas I couldn't do a long-term monogamous relationship. Like I would just, I would, I would hate it. I would be constantly being told what I can't do, and that is not good for me. So the official letter I've been drawing up for a long-term monogamous relationship with me 
I should just I should just shred that or something. You you consider yourself polyamorous, don't you? <sighs> I know how much you love labels. <laughs> um uh, you know what? I actually haven't thought about this question in a while. Definitely previously I've I've said that and I definitely oh my god I'm such a dickhead I know that I've definitely said previously I will never be in a monogamous relationship again I've like totally <laughs> found myself and everything makes complete sense and um yeah that I don't I don't um I know that I definitely I can't imagine myself being in a monogamous relationship in the way that I in the ideal way that that makes sense. In, in the, the standard textbook narrative. I was talking about this last night with some friends about like how sometimes when you get into kind of poly sort of communities or groups or people who are into that, it, it, it can become real monogamy bashing. Yeah. Like, like uh, monogamy, those people just aren't evolved and aren't they awful? Whereas I think like people... I think the idea of people with awareness choosing monogamy is also kind of cool. I find it so baffling. I do not understand it. Just like in my bones. I understand I understand it so little that it makes me understand homophobia. What? So like Wait on. <laughs> what the fuck? The idea of being monogamous makes so little sense to me. Like it so directly goes against so many of my thoughts and principles that when people are like, gay people don't get it, I'm like, I understand that. Like, I see how you could just fundamentally dislike the concept because it's so far removed from your own desires and experiences and urges. Oh, in the same way that you feel that about monogamy. I mean, I obviously try not to, but like on a, on a deep core level, I, oh, this, is, this is awful, but it's absolutely true. On a deep core level, I find monogamy kind of repulsive. Why? Because, I mean, it comes down to, like, I don't get it. I, I intellectually understand it, but, like, I don't get it. This idea that, hey, because you spend time kissing me, you are not allowed to kiss other people. It seems to me, and I realize this is wrong, and I, again, I'm intellectually totally fine with it, but it seems so controlling and possessive, and it makes me feel, not ill, but, like, grossed out. Like, this idea of saying to someone else, hey, this is what you can and can't do with your body, is so abhorrent to me. And I get that it's consensual on both ends, but like, I just, oh, I find it weird that you would need or want to stop other people from doing stuff when you're not around. <laughs> oh man, this, this shit goes deep. What? For me, if I think about it, it's like the feelings that come from, okay, so if we think about how for a lot of people our experiences of the world tell us that monogamy is the way to go yeah and that oh fuck there's a really really good school of life video so the school of life is set up by a philosopher alain de baton they have a really great youtube channel full of heaps of awesome stuff um one that i would really really recommend is it's, i think it's called how romanticism killed relationships and it talks about how like the philosophical ideas of the romantics so like the the poets and artists of that time influence how we think about relationships now so like this idea that to be attracted to someone else 
is indicative of your love for the person you're in a relationship with. As in, if you truly love someone, you wouldn't be interested in someone else. Right. That's so weird to me. Yeah, but it, it's... I, I think... remember you, you sent me that video. I thought that video was kind of gross as well. Oh, really? Why? It, I, I'm only vaguely remembering it. This is a few weeks back now. But I've, I seem to remember it like ended with this conclusion of like, so women lay off on guys. I was like, no, fuck off. Like, it seemed to be this real apologetic. No, that's a different video. No, that's, that's. Um, oh, what was that one? Something about very nice men. They have a video yeah. about, uh, like. It was fucked up. The repressed very nice man or something. No, I sent it to you because unlike pretty much all of the, all the other videos I've watched, I was like, this one's a bit on the nose. What does Peter think of this? No, this, that's not this video. But it's just like unpacking all these ideas that we have about relationships in this way that I find really helpful. The thing that made me realize how repugnant I found this concept of monogamous jealousy and all that was I was, I was, I can't remember how I counted it, but someone was talking about they do not let their girlfriend, maybe it wasn't phrased like that, but that's how I interpreted it. They do not let their girlfriend wear a bikini because looking at their girl's body is for them and them alone. Wow. And, like, first of all, I just, I find that so gross. And the thing is, there are people who are like, there are a bunch of comments, whatever, wherever I found this, that were like, that is so romantic. And I was just like, that is disgusting. And I, I, I so struggle to see <laughs> monogamy as anything but an extension of that grossness. Uh, so, like, you, a, a soldier's away at war for four years or whatever. The idea of... of of their husband or wife back home not being allowed to sleep with other people is just baffling to me. Like, they're going to be gone forever. You're not going to be able to have sex with them. Why not have sex with other people? I don't, I don't get it. I don't get monogamy. Yeah, but I think, a, I think a big part for you is that you don't, ex, you don't experience jealousy. Right, yeah, I have, I have no jealousy bone in my body. So for you, you're like, why the hell would you do that? And then, but you don't, you don't experience this whole factor which plays into it in a big way. That's true. And which is the reason is not the uh I don't I can't speak for everyone, but I think I think a bunch of it is not I I want control over your body, but it's like uh these feelings are really bad and uncomfortable. Do you have these feelings also? Oh yes, I also have those feelings of jealousy that are awful and uncomfortable. Let's avoid those feelings. That makes perfect sense. It makes sense. I'm not, I'm not trying to convert people or being like, everyone should be polyamorous. Uh, that, that's not my intent here. I'm just saying, yeah, it is confusing as hell to me. I can't remember who, but someone sent me this thing a while back being like, the thing that you hate the most is the thing that you are not a lot of the time. There's two schools. There's like, you hate what you see of yourself and other people. And then there's, you hate the thing that you are not. So like people who are really fit are like, the worst thing you can do is not be fit which is partially why they're fit, but also it's very easy to look at yourself as a good person and be like, if I define a good person as being fit, I am a good person because I am fit. Therefore, people who are not fit are worse people. I think that affects all forms of bigotry. Like, you, you rarely hear about black people being like, black people are the worst, or I guess with Tumblr nowadays, there's a lot of white people being like, white people are the worst. But as a rule, we tend to define whatever we are as the best thing that you can be and so as someone who doesn't experience jealousy it's so easy for me to say hey i think jealousy is an inherently negative and toxic emotion <laughs> but 
it's so easy for me to say that because I do not experience it. Oh, wait on. I'm just going to... So I have a... Wait on. I'll just get it. So I have this poster, which I made when I did a therapy program, and I felt like a real dickhead when I had to do it because <laughs> it's like different sort of psychological theories will look at this slightly differently. But this one is like the nine emotions and what are their functions and what behaviorally do they make people do. So here they have jealousy and they also have envy. So jealousy, the function is to protect and maintain our relationships and what is close to us. So just just for people who might not know, jealousy is typically defined as wanting something and not wanting other people to have it whereas envy is just wanting something and not caring if other people have it yeah so envy alternatively the function is to motivate an attempt to obtain what others have in order to improve our lives right so i i get that like that's why i'm always doing stuff and being like oh that's cool i'm going to try that and you know launching new projects and so on and so forth but jealousy is about kind of it, jealousy is about protecting something that's really important to you that you're afraid of losing i mean one of the kind of core tenets of the polyamory point of view is this idea that love is not finite like time is finite and energy is finite but love is not finite and yet in the world there's this real idea of if you love someone and then you start to love someone else it means you love the first person less and it's really frustrating because it's not something we apply to children. You know, no one's like, you're having a second child? What kind of monster are you? You'll love your first child so much less. And we don't apply it to friendship and we don't apply it to favorite movies or whatever. But when it comes to romantic relationships, we're very much like, oh, you love someone? Great. You love someone else? So you must love the first person less. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That thing of like, oh, what's wrong with the first one? Yeah. <laughs> Which is all kinds of fucked up. The poly, the most frequently asked poly questions are typically like, but don't you get jealous? How do you all manage sleeping arrangements? And, oh, so which one do you love more? Or like, oh, so you, it's like cheating or? Oh, so you don't love either of them properly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I remember when we were going out, I had, a lot, I had a lot of people say something to that effect to me. Yep. Being like, why are you getting, like, particularly because for a bunch of it, we were engaged. We were being like, why... Why are you engaged to someone and also dating other people? Yeah. Because, like, if you're getting married to someone, surely you must love that person properly. Ah. Why do you need to date anyone else? Oh, that's so gross to me. So gross. There's a few different ways of doing polyamory. And the most kind of mainstream common one is to have a primary, which is the person that you're dating the most seriously, and then other people who are called secondaries who you're dating on the side. It's a very hierarchical structure, and it's kind of gone out of vogue in the last couple of years. Yeah, it's not quite... Uh, I suppose it depends who you talk to. I think that for some people that, that works really, really well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's, uh, it, it's sort of looked down upon by the poly community more so than it was 10 years ago when it was the method of doing it. There's a thing called a triad, which is when three people are kind of dating each other equally <laughs> like you know one person is dating two other people who are also dating each other and you're all in the same level of relationship again i don't like to talk about this hierarchical thing and then this is one that i learned recently have you heard of uh poly single solo poly it's called solo poly have you heard of solo poly yes i mean i think so ha, ha, what is it uh, so i think of solo poly as being like you date different people but there isn't like you don't have a primary yeah. primary partner 
you, you date, but never with the intent of, oh, this is the person I'm going to settle down with. Or like, you basically, you date yourself as your own primary, and then you have a lot of secondaries. You date yourself as your own primary. Oh, wow. <laughs> that's a lovely, that's lovely. Yeah, I thought was a, a, a friend of mine who actually has done an outro in the past, I won't say who, uh, recently discovered the term, and she was like, oh, that's me. It was the same revelation as I had at the age of 14 when I read about Polly, and I was like, oh, I get it now. She read that, and she was like, ah, there is a term for what I am, and that is hugely comforting, and I can structure my life without feeling like I'm broken. I've been thinking about moving, like, I've been thinking a bit lately about living by myself. Okay. Do you think that would be good for your mental health? I think it's going to have pros and cons. So, I mean, like, basically, yes and no. Wait, so conventions? Yes. Yes, it's going to have pros and conventions. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, just that thing of, like, dating dating yourself as your pr- primary partner. SJ, I don't know how to tell you this. You don't have time to date yourself. <laughs> what? You're, you're so busy. You barely have time to date other people, let alone yourself. Trust me, I know firsthand how much time it takes to date you, and you just don't have the time for it. <laughs> Approximately how much time does it take to date me? Uh, 20, 15 to 25% of your time. Of, of your time or, or my, your, my time? Of the person dating you's time. So that would take, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, right. And I don't think you have time for it. You might have to let yourself down gently and break up. With myself? Yeah. I feel like that thing, I feel like that's, I like that idea. I want to take that. But can I have a triad <laughs> with a relationship with myself and a relationship with my partner? And then my partner has a relationship between myself and the mis- and the me that I'm having the relationship with? Basically, what you're saying is you want to date one person, but you want to be in the relationship twice as much as they are. <laughs> no, I want to be in the relationship with them and also me. And you want them to be in the relationship with you twice. <laughs> <laughs> no, actually, I just actually I just want them to be in a relationship with themselves and also me. I mean, that's just a normal... Okay, yep. You can do that. <laughs> and then uh, the, there's various other schools of poly. I'm not actually that well-versed in them. But uh, a, a very popular one is Don't Ask, Don't Tell, which is generally a disaster. Uh, not always, but... It's basically, we're Polly, you can do whatever you like. I don't ever want to hear about it. Which is difficult to do because... Um, like setting dates is really hard. Setting dates or if you're if you're dating someone else, but then you can never talk about that person Ugh. with the other person that you spend a lot of your time with. Yeah. And so I've, I've dated people who have had that kind of policy. They've generally been monogamous people who really liked me and were like, I want to date you. I never want to hear about your Polly stuff. I'm okay with you doing it. Just never tell me anything about it. It, in my experience, it doesn't end well. Uh, maybe, maybe someone out there who like that is the perfect style for them, and they've had nothing but success and rainbows. But in my experience, that is a really unhealthy approach to the whole thing. Can I tell you a like kind of dark, sort of fucked up story that I I don't know if I've told you this. Okay. So you have a relatively simple relationship with polyamory. Yes. You're like. I am Polly. I have identified with this since I was 14. I don't experience jealousy. This is how it is. I also really enjoy dating. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she revealed that she hates dating. And I've known that that's a thing in theory, but I've never 
yeah that that is strange to me as well like dating is getting to hang out with people which i love getting to meet new people which i can see why that would be terrifying but there's a lot of smooching involved yeah i think i think you're quite good at at avoiding the negative aspects of dating what are the negative aspects of dating okay so when i'm thinking about dating the thing that i that makes me uncomfortable that i i'm i'm a lot better at but i'm still not awesome at is how to get away if you don't want to <laughs> hang out i literally spent like an hour talking about that last night with one of my dates not not about getting away from that date but we were talking about like how do you what, what's your escape plan and she was saying that she has in the past texted friends to get the phone call oh to get the phone call uh, no, that's not what she said. She said that she texted people to be like, should I leave this date? I'm having an awful time. And her friends were like, yes, obviously, if you're having an awful time, leave the date. And that was kind of the permission she needed. I used to be bad at bailing on dates. Nowadays, if I'm not enjoying it, like half an hour in, I leave. Yeah, exactly. See, that's what I mean. I feel like you would be good at that. Whereas I'm, I think I would be less good at that. Why? I just feel awkward. And I'm like, okay, so the end of this drink, you got to, you got to, say something and then be like oh but he ordered chips how about okay till the end of the chips be like oh there's a dj coming okay so when that person finishes you know like i i do that i i haven't been i haven't really been on a date in a long time but i do that with every aspect of my life like i was at a meeting where i was like i need to leave this meeting at x time to be able to get to x thing and then I'm like, ah, oh, there's no good point in this conversation to interrupt. Oh, I haven't really contributed much to this meeting. <laughs> oh, I'll just, I just won't go to that thing. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I, I'm very good. I think it's partially because, as we've covered on this podcast extensively, I don't care. Like, if I need to leave, I need to leave. And if people are going to be like, oh, I can't believe that guy left. I don't want those people in my life, nor do I care what they think of me. So if I need to leave... I will just leave, and if they're going to judge me for it, then that's on them. That's what I mean. You don't have any issue with disciplining people, letting people down, making people feel bad? Not you don't have any issue, but... I, I don't have any issue with making people feel bad when I feel like it is thoroughly unjustified. And this is, this is what we've spent two podcasts, three podcasts talking about now. Like, if I do a thing and you're like, that makes me feel awful, and the thing that I do is brush my hair why would I care that you feel awful? Like, that is not a reasonable care. That is not something I'm going to feel guilty about because I have done literally nothing wrong in my eyes. Whereas if I do something to hurt you that I could have avoided or should have avoided, I will feel bad about that and then I will just make sure to never do that thing again. Leaving a meeting early is not a thing I'm going to feel bad about. Leaving a date early is especially not a thing I'm going to feel bad about because a date has a really clear stated purpose to see if we get along. And if I conclude within the first half hour that we don't get along, why would I continue with but the date what if, like that? What if the other person, you get the idea that they think they think that it's, it's good? So in my mind, stringing them along is a way crueler thing that I would That's feel bad also, about. I know, right? Ah, oh, man. Yeah. So yeah, if, if, if you're meeting with someone to see if you get along and you very quickly conclude that you don't get along and they conclude that you do, the worst thing you can do to that person is continue to string them along. Like that is yeah. the cruel dicky move that I am against. Yeah, I, I still think that it's difficult 
Oh yeah, I'm not, I'm not denying that people have trouble with it. I'm explaining why I don't, why I'm totally fine with it. Uh, tell me your dark story and then we've got to wrap up. Okay, so my dark story is... Wait, is it, is it a dark story or a duck story? It's a duck story. Okay, good. I love duck stories. Yeah. Uh, so it was on the Don't Ask, Don't Tell thing and kind of around the whole... Yeah, I have a more complicated relationship with polyamory. I'm a person who definitely experiences jealousy. And I've sort of like moved in and around it in a bunch of ways over a number of years. But a few years ago, I was I I was really oh, fuck, man. This was Is this while we were dating? No, no, no. This is after we were dating. I was dating someone else. And we were poly, but it was really complicated. And honestly, I was not, I was not in this, I was really unwell and I was not in the space to be able to do polyamory. But um, that was like a deal breaker for this other person. Or I was like, no, it's fine. I'll do it even though it's really, really bad for me right now and like makes my life tangibly worse. And so, yeah, it was really... Oh, it was just, it was just Is that such the story? a, it was just, no, that's not the story. It was just such <laughs> a bad time. No, but, this um, right before you went into hospital. Yeah. And then while I was in hospital, the person that I was dating was like, I think it was the third day that I was in hospital. They were like, look, I think that while you're in here, we should have a don't ask, don't tell <sighs> arrangement on our, on our relationship, which was like. Interesting because they weren't actually like dating anyone else at that time, if that makes sense. There wasn't like, look, I would like to see my, you know, the other person that I'm seeing, but I think that maybe I just shouldn't tell tell you while you're here. It was like, you're in hospital. I'm not dating anyone else, but I, while you're in here, I want to go do stuff and I don't want to have to tell you about it. That was not a healthy relationship. <laughs> it was not a healthy relationship, but I was so like... I had lot. I really lost a lot of my confidence in myself, or really my understanding of what it was that I could ask for or expect in that relationship. Yeah. So I was like, you needed the cat poster. I needed the cat poster. <laughs> I basically had to outsource all of my um, emotional reactions to other people, and I was like, "Is this <laughs> no seriously?" Like so many of those situations, I was like, "So my partner asked me like this thing." is it okay if I'm really upset about that? And my friends were like, um, yeah, that is pretty reasonable. But yeah, so I was like, yeah, I mean, that makes sense. We can do that while I'm in hospital. Yeah. And he said, actually, I, I brought it up with him a while, a little while later being like, why, like, why did you do that? That was actually, I actually think that that was messed up and really selfish. And he was like, and I could actually empathize with this. He was like, look, it was the only time where I felt like I could go on dates and um, and you would be safe. What? As in like, because I was in a hospital, there's no, like I couldn't, like I, I was really, really unwell. And he was like, and I, like you couldn't kill yourself in hospital basically. Jesus Christ. So this is, that's my really sad, dark story. That is sad and dark. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really glad that I'm not in that relationship. 
<laughs> it had it had a really you know strong moral at the end though. I think we all learned something from that story. What did we learn from that we story? Did, we didn't learn anything. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that story had no redeeming features at all. It was just sad things that happened to SJ. Yeah, sad things that happened to SJ. Oh, I suppose just like for me, I really I really thought that the relationship was more important than my well-being. And that's, oh, that's, that's, not, not, tr- that's not true. And that's, never, that's never, not never a good place to be. And I was really pissed off that I felt like being unwell meant that it was going to limit me in terms of my relationships like I was like I would like to do this poly thing but I don't think that I can and that really pissed me off whereas actually it's okay I mean it was okay I it's okay to not be able to do that or or not to be the right time or whatever and I think it's important particularly with I mean in any relationship but I think if you want to do poly to be in relationships where you feel safe and respected. So important. So important. And that you can trust, firstly, your emotional responses to things. Like that you don't have to be like, hey, you know, ask. Like for me, the fact that I had to ask my friends, is it fucked up that that my partner is asking for a don't ask, don't tell situation while I'm in hospital? Like that's a bad sign that I'm not in a place where I can trust myself. Yeah. And assert that. The other thing I'd say about Polly is monogamy has roadmaps everywhere. Every movie, every TV show, everything will be like, oh, you want to be monogamous? Here's how you do it. Like guidebooks everywhere. Polyamory has none. And so when you first step into the exciting world of polyamory, you will have what I call a polysplosion where everything goes to shit and everyone hates everything and everyone is unhappy and it sucks. Yeah, that's pretty common. And so, like, think think of disastrous breakup movies. That is how you avoid monogasplosions. I don't have a good word for that. Monosplosions. Because you see that happen in a movie, and you're like, man, they did some dumb things. With polyamory, there's no movie that you can watch. There's no book that you can know. There's not a billion books all being like, hey, you want to have a really bad time? Here's how you do it. With monogamy, there is. And so with, with polyamory, you tend to find those awful, stupid, painful paths yourself. And uh, <laughs> and explore all of those options. <laughs> and just be really unhappy for a long time. Uh, but I uh, know for me, like there was there was no alternative. Like I was, I am, I am polyamory. I was going to get through the polysplosions until I found balance and tranquility and pleasure, and that's where I feel like I am now. But uh, when you try it and it goes badly, a lot of people will be like, "Told you so." Should have stuck with monogamy. And maybe. If you're on the fence about it and you have a bad time, that's going to be enough to scare you off. That's fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with being monogamous, no matter what my tattooed bones tell you. But uh, if, if you're thinking of exploring polyamory, be prepared for a lot of heartache and misery and confusion. More than anything, so much confusion. But after that, it will generally get better. What I was going to say in response to what you said, in that there's no handbook on polyamory, is actually... That there are a few good books. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I realized like, that. You. I think the most famous one, um, and I'll link to all these in the show notes, but I think the most famous one is one called The Ethical Slut, which isn't, it, it is kind of about, I suppose it's not. Uh, it's not about polyamory. It's, it's about not about polyamory. Ethical yeah. non-monogamy. It's about like our, how we think about monogamy and sort of unpacking some of those ideas. But there's another one called uh, Opening Up by Tristan Tarmino. That one's so good. And I, I quite like that one because it's... I like that uh, one because it gives a bunch of examples. It's just like every couple of paragraphs, it's like, here's the thing that happened. You know, Joe, Jill, and Mary did this. 
and it's just it's really well put together yeah i yeah i find that to be quite uh, it's like quite practical um yeah. and another book that i've used uh although um is like a difficult book to use is it's called the jealousy workbook by oh wow i think her last name is labriola which i always i don't know i always like that last name and that has a bunch of exercises around jealousy and relationships uh it's a, it's like it's it's a difficult it's difficult though and if you're in Melbourne, there's actually there's actually people that do workshops specifically around this stuff. But only in Melbourne. Only in Melbourne. They are banned in every other city in the world. I mean, I'm sure there's people that do nope, stuff around this Melbourne. everywhere else. But um, They don't exist anywhere but Melbourne. I need you to retract I... the, the idea that they exist anywhere else. That is well, unacceptable. I will delete this podcast and burn it to the ground. Well, I mean, Melbourne is the only place where polyamory is legal, so... <laughs> it makes it really hard for me in uh, Toronto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think they have... It's called My Relationship Tool Belt. There are a couple of people that I've known for a while, and I've done some of their workshops, and they they do a good unpacking of stuff. And as you would imagine, SJ and I had a hell of a poly explosion that lasted for like a year. Did we? Are you kidding me? I thought everything was smooth sailing. You are kidding me. <laughs> it was the, probably the worst period of my life. Uh, and we will get into that in an old episode, maybe. Who knows? Who knows? The worst period of your life? I'm, I'm struggling to think of anything that competes. Oh, my God. Can we please talk about this some more next time? Maybe. Maybe maybe we'll talk about something else. I want to know what you... I want to... I, I, I want to know more about that. We will definitely cover it at some point. Uh, I don't want to commit to next time because last time we did that, we never got back to the thing. Okay, fine. We have an outro today from Kate Griffin. Have we done this one? No. We have an outro today from Kate Griffin. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Being Honest with My Ex. If you've enjoyed the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes, leave a review and tell your friends. Peter and SJ are my favourite non-gender specific children. <laughs> uh, this beautiful thing happened, which you can't see, but I don't know what the hell's happening with your Skype, but it's happened a couple of times now where it flips between zooming really close in on your face and then being normal, the normal amount of your face. <laughs> yeah, when Kate got to the bit where she was like, Peter and SJ, it, like at that exact moment, it zoomed really close in on your face. Like and... a dramatic bum, bum, bum. Yes, yes. How does he feel about being supplanted as the favourite child? I feel good. <laughs> thank you so much, Kate. Thanks, Kate. Thank you, SJ. And thank y'all for listening. Do you want to say thank y'all for listening? It's really fun. Y'all's. Y'all's is my favourite. We have discussions about this podcast on Honor Eastley's Facebook page, facebook.com slash Honor Eastley, link in the show notes. And if you want to send us an outro, please do. Uh, SJ particularly likes it when you mess with the script because she is sick of hearing that I am everyone's favourite son. Yeah. I am. Uh, we also have a Twitter account. I really like our Twitter account. People should check it out. At sign, honest with my ex. We send links back and forth and we link to the newsletter when it comes out, which has all kinds of bonus exclusive podcasts. Basically, we've got a lot of shit going on. We're fucking awesome and you should check it all out. Oh, and the best thing that you sent me in the last week is there's holy shit it's in the it's in the newsletter, but the most amazing article about Donald Trump, racism, classism in America. Uh, that'll be in the show notes. Really, really interesting. It gets a bit like Bernie at the end, which is nice, but now irrelevant. But uh, really good piece. So good. That's all from us. Goodbye. Bye bye. 
it's me again SJ from the present I just wanted to let you know that after we recorded the episode making money with my ex we spoke a little bit about potentially getting advertising on a podcast like this but what we thought we'd try first is doing patreon which we've mentioned before but patreon is basically kind of like an ongoing kickstarter it's like a tip jar for artists where you can give them money per thing that they make or per month so to give that a go and see how it goes i have made a patreon you can find it at patreon which is p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com slash honor easily we've been having some semi-difficult conversations about how long are we going to keep this going on at this rate just because it does take quite a bit of time and energy and vulnerability and emotional upheaval and we really want to keep doing it it's just whether we can make it viable i would really like to keep doing it so if you are keen to see this keep going if it's been meaningful to you if it's helped you in some way uh, head over to my Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Honor Easley. And you can subscribe for like $2 a month. Uh, please do consider throwing some dollars over in this general vicinity. Okay, now that I did that awkward funny bit, thanks again for listening. It's really great to have you each week. Talk to you next week. <laughs>